Hi, everyone. Welcome to Packers Unscripted from Packers.com. I am Mike Spofford sitting next to the one and only Wes Hodkiewicz. We're coming to you here from our studios at Lambeau Field. Wes, our final show of the week. It is Friday, yeah. but we need to condense things a little bit because there's an injury update to go through before we get to our usual end of week keys to victory. So with regards to the Packers injury report, it's lengthy. There are 20 guys listed on it. Now we'll see come late Saturday afternoon when the final designations are made for Monday night's game, how many of those guys end up being removed from the injury report. Right. But some primary updates, first of all, Devontae Adams still on the injury report, not practicing, told reporters he's not sure when he's going to be back. Jamal Williams is back at practice. He's been cleared from the concussion protocol. And center Corey Lindsley, also in the concussion protocol, not fully cleared yet, but back at practice on a limited basis. So those are some of the big uh, names as to what's going on, as well as uh, a certain guy, number 12, Aaron Rodgers, cropping up on the injury report with a knee injury. There's been no indication that he's in any danger of missing the game, but he is on the injury report dealing with something in a knee. Yep, if uh, you're dealing with anything, you gotta report it. So the the Packers certainly with uh, taking it easy on Aaron Rodgers in their first practice back, um, you know, having him sit out there um, you know, I shouldn't say sit out, but just being able to be, you know, cautious with it. Yeah. This week is going to be interesting for Green Bay, though, because you look at Devonte Adams, and he was talking at his locker, and you, a, a group that you were a part of, you know, and as he points out, I mean, it's, he's dealing with a pretty significant injury right now, and he doesn't want to be back out there until he feels, you know, just fine about it. And I thought one of his big money lines was basically saying that you, know, you can walk around your local store <laughs> and you could play football they're two different things right and yes. we did see Devonte walking around practice on wednesday but yeah i mean you, or i should say on thursday but you know you have to be smart with it the real nice thing pleasant surprise mind you is that jamal williams was back out there in a full participant after being cleared from the concussion protocol yeah that's two great. weeks after the hit at philadelphia i was a part of that media scrum Jamal Williams basically said much ado about nothing. He's ready to focus on football. He doesn't care about talking about the hit. But going into this matchup, if you don't have Devontae Adams, but you have Jamal Williams and Aaron Jones, that's a big, big plus for this offense. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you'd like to uh, be able to share some of that workload in the backfield. Obviously, Trey Carson spelled Aaron Jones a little bit. But at the end of the day, 65 plays for the Packers at Dallas Aaron Jones touched the ball on 26 of them and there was another targeted pass that was incomplete so that's 27 out of 65 plays that essentially were focused on Aaron Jones that's a pretty big workload for one day and and a difficult workload to sustain week after week after week in such a long season so you want to get Jamal Williams back out there and start to maybe divide up that load a little bit if you can yeah definitely and especially considering the stretch that they're on it doesn't even have to necessarily be in this game against Detroit but you have Oakland after this at home on six days. You you then have two big road trips. Yeah. You have a game against Carolina next month before you can get to your bye week. So, right. you know, you want to be able to not, you know, have to push everyone, not just Aaron Jones, push everyone to that extreme if you don't have to. Jamal Williams, you know, I wrote about this on Packers.com. He actually was coming off his best game of the season when he sort of gave the offense a pick-me-up against Denver. Yes, going absolutely. Going into that, that Philadelphia contest. So if he can, you know, get back into a rhythm here, I have no problems, questions, concerns whatsoever about him in terms of the mentality of football. You know, he said he's going right back in there. He's not changing his mindset at all. He's going to play the same way he always does. And if you know Jamal Williams – 
I think everybody pretty much understands that, um, you know, that's not a lie. Yeah. Well, let's stay on the offensive side of the ball here, Wes, as we talk about keys to victory for Monday night in this Packers-Lions showdown. Packers offense, what does it need to do to come out victorious? Well, first off, they need to be able to move the ball all four quarters. Uh, you you want to be able to eliminate the lulls. That's been the one thing that through the first yeah. five games of the season has kind of been missing for them. They've gotten off to some great starts, which if you go in contrast, the last few seasons, that was sort of an issue for them. They would find their rhythm late, but getting established early was an issue, was a problem. Well, this year you come back and their first scripted plays, their first few series drives, they've been explosive. And it's been that way since week one against Chicago. So, you know, if you're able to, I should say after they did get into their rhythm against Chicago, it hasn't really been an issue. Sure. But if you're able to, you know, contour the offense and find different playmakers to emerge here without Devontae Adams, and again, we'll let the weekend take its course, but let's say you don't have him. What was what they did so well in that game against Dallas is it was Jimmy Graham making a clutch catch. It was Robert Tanyan, although he's dealing with a hip, making a really critical catch along the sidelines. It was guys playing well in situational football that lifted the entire boat. That's going to be the key in this one. I think it's going to be Aaron Jones. It's going to be Jamal Williams. It's going to be all those auxiliary pieces coming together if you don't have Devontae Adams to really threaten and stress a D Detroit defense that you know, has been pretty impressive here, Mike, through the first month of the season. Yeah, I mean, I keep coming back to, as far as the offense of the Packers is concerned, what Matt LaFleur continues to harp on, whether he's talking about it in a post-game setting or in a um, midweek news conference, and that's third down yeah. conversions. The Packers right around 30% for the season. Pretty remarkable when you think about it that you can be at 30% on third down through five games and be four and one. Yeah. That just tells you how many other aspects of this team, how many things are going well in order to make that happen. We've seen it, Wes, when the Packers get into that rhythm offensively and they're at their best. They're, quite frankly, so far this year, they've been avoiding third down entirely. Right. They're having these drives where they're only needing first down and second down and they're moving the chains and they're not even getting into third down situations. I think the biggest thing that sticks out about the struggles on third down, I saw a stat that I believe the Packers have had eight third and 16 plus situations wow. through five games and they're 0 for 8 in those. There aren't a lot of things in the playbook that are going to be able to convert third and 16 unless you catch a break on a defensive penalty or something like that. So eight third and 16 plus situations in five games is way too many and that's where LaFleur is focused. It's about getting those third down situations into into the more manageable down and distance, the six yards and under, you know, that kind of thing where then your percentage is obviously going to go up and you're going to be able to keep the ball and sustain those drives and avoid the lulls that uh, that seem to be happening when the Packers aren't in the really quick rhythm thing where they're not even getting to third down. So it's a matter of smoothing all of that out, and I think the Packers' offense is going to get there eventually, but you know, the sooner the better. Yeah, when you say the quick rhythm stuff, you look at the conversions the Packers have made during those series, it's second and three. Yep. It's third and two. It's being able to keep the chains very manageable. Um, now, that's a really extreme example. It's a good example with the with the third and sixteen and plus, but even third and ten. I mean, that's that's an unlikely to convert play for most teams because the defenses are just playing you for yeah. a third and ten situation. Yeah, they're going to give you the, the short. They're going to give you the short completion underneath. They're going to come up and make the tackle. You, 
usually in those situations, you either need a defensive penalty or somebody just flat out missing a tackle yeah. in order to be able to convert in those uh, third and double digit type situations. So that's why so often when they talk about third down efficiency, and it's true, it is third down efficiency, but realistically, it's more first and second down efficiency. You know, how you're able to get, you know, maybe a four yard carry off the bat, a six yard catch. That's what made James Jones great, in my opinion, all those years with those stop routes as he would run. You know, he was always good for eight to 10 yards on those plays at critical points in football games. Yeah. So this is where I think Jimmy Graham can really help them in the long term. I, you know, you've seen him kind of get going here the last two weeks, over 100 yards in these two games uh, together. You know, you know, maybe a Mercedes Lewis. He looks so much better in this offense this year with how they're able to integrate him. He's not a sixth offensive lineman anymore. He's a real threat to be able to you know move the ball. And honestly, Mike, this is where I think you're really seeing the superstar tendencies of Aaron Jones because last week's game wasn't just about, you know, he had 182 total yards. 107 of that were rushing. He had 70-plus yards catching the ball, a career-high seven catches. They really used him more through these five games as a pass catcher than I really remember him being designed as a route runner during his entire time the last two seasons. Yeah. It isn't just screen passes. It's put it's flanking him out wide and actually being okay throwing it to him if he comes on a crosser. That's where I think defensive defensive coordinators now really have their eye on him and what he could potentially present. And the more attention he draws, and this is something I talked to him about in the locker room after last week's game the more options it's going to open up for your Marquez Valdez-Scantlings and the other real big threats in this offense. Yeah, well, it comes down to, as you said, with the first and second down, it's about avoiding the negative plays. It's about avoiding the penalties. You know, Packers offensive line, if there's one thing that's been a little bit of a, a bugaboo, so to speak, the last few games, it's it's been some untimely penalties. Um, since the opening game against Chicago, when the Bears had five sacks, Rodgers has only been sacked five times since then right. in the last four games, and one of those was even a give-up intentional type of sack against the Cowboys, the way that play unfolded. So if you can avoid the negative plays and avoid the penalties, then those third downs end up being much more manageable. And getting back to my original point when you asked me about the key to this victory in this game, the four-quartered attack I just feel like Detroit, while they do have good playmakers on that defense, especially if Darius Slay is able to go, they have given up yards this year. I mean, yeah. they're 25th right now, 27th in the league in total yards. I think they're 21st or 22nd against the run. Teams have had, been able to have success moving the ball, and when you can move the ball the way that Green Bay does and have protect the football the way they have, that's when you talk about third down efficiency and things of that nature. That's why you're 4-1 at this juncture because you've consistently made enough plays and protected the football that, you know, not every stat has to be league leading. You can find ways to win, and that's, I think, been the number one character of this team here through this first month of the year. Yeah, all right. Well, uh, quickly here, Wes, before we shift gears to the defensive side of the ball, Select Cousin Subs locations are now offering delivery. Whether you're ordering, catering, or your favorite sub, they're delivering right to you when you order online at CousinSubs.com. Cousin Subs, we believe in better. Okay, defensive keys to victory, Wes. I'm not sure what you think, but uh, I'm starting on this one with keeping Matthew Stafford from getting into a rhythm. And I'll say that, you know, we haven't had one of those tried-and-true Spoff stats and info segments for a yeah. while. All right, I've got one the for Mike you Spofford here today. The Mike Spofford stat of the week. Yeah, I've got, a whole, I, yeah I've, I've got a whole bunch of them here for you, all right? Okay, the Detroit Lions have beaten the Packers four consecutive games. They've swept the last two season series in 2017 and 2018. 
The first time the Lions have swept back-to-back season series from the Packers since the early 80s, 1982-83 season. So it's been a long time since the Packers have been in this situation, in this rivalry. And the Lions have not won five straight in this series since the pre-Lombardi era of the 1950s. So um, the Packers certainly don't want to tread into that territory. But getting back to the here and now, these last four games, and I know the Packers have been missing Aaron Rodgers in, I believe, three out of the four, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. But Matthew Stafford for the Lions, Detroit has put up 30-plus points in all four of the victories the last two seasons. And here are Stafford's numbers. 80 out of 20, which is exactly two-thirds, 66.7%. 1,133 yards, nine touchdowns, no interceptions, a 122.0 passer rating over these four Lions victories the last two seasons. That's like off the charts good. Right. And the Packers cannot let him get into that type of rhythm and have that type of game. Here's the other interesting thing too, though, Wes. Matthew Stafford's first 13 games, he's now played 17 games against the Packers. His first 13 games against the Packers, Green Bay intercepted him 19 times. Zero interceptions of Stafford over the last four. Right. That's that's the trend the Packers have to change in order to get this rivalry flipped back in the other direction. So if you ask me just very quickly, what, what's the first thing that comes to mind in these last four losses, the last two seasons, it's been efficiency for Matthew Stafford. Absolutely. He's not been challenged. And as much as we want to talk about Aaron Rodgers and whether he did or didn't play in these games or who the head coach was or what, what the scenario was going to be and what the implications were, fact of the matter is Aaron Rodgers doesn't rush the passer. Aaron Rodgers is not a boundary cornerback. He's not a safety. He's not a linebacker. He's a quarterback. He would have to go tit for tat with Stafford playing excellent football. That's where I think the defense has to rise to the occasion. And I'm really intrigued to see it, Mike. Yeah, me too. Because I think with Zadarius Smith and Preston Smith and the pressure they've been generating, they're going to be able to get after Matthew Stafford more than he has been the last two seasons. There were some sacks, but the pressure wasn't consistent. No, not at all. And the more you dial up the pressure, the more the opportunities open up for themselves downfield. Now, here's the number one question, Mark. We talk so much about Devontae Adams, and rightfully so. But there are a lot of missing pieces here for Green Bay's defense in the secondary going into this game. Raven Green, they've already been without him. That pushes Adrian Amos up into the box. Now you have Darnell Savage missing some practice time with his ankle injury. Right. So does that push Amos back? You have Will Redmond stepping up, but there's only one Will Redmond. So you need to make some decisions there. The one real positive thing for Green Bay is that Kevin King was back on the practice field on Thursday. Yeah. A little bit of concern there with him already dealing with the groin injury and then dealing with the knee injury. The fact that he was able to be out there is great. So if you can have Alexander and King allow those guys to work on islands and free up the safeties and the slot cornerbacks a little bit more, that's going to be the biggest key here because, as we've been talking about for the last three seasons now, this new Matt Stafford, the one that's been able to have the success he's had, it's because he spreads the football around and makes mm-hmm. guys better. That's how Detroit's winning, and that's how they're the number eighth ranked def- or offense in the league at this point. Yeah, I mean, I just think this game for the Packers, as much as we talked about everything on the offensive side, I just really think it comes down to not letting Stafford get into a rhythm and control the action at the line of scrimmage. And, you know, the way he has performed against the Packers over these last couple of years, that's what needs to, uh, that's what needs to change. And as you said, he spreads the ball around. He's got the weapons. Kenny Galladay, I mentioned the other day, his 12.8 yards per catch this season is a little bit misleading because yeah. Galladay's had 
two games against the Packers so far in his career, and he has a 60-yard reception and a 54-yard touchdown against the Packers. He's a big play guy. Hawkinson's been added to that mix now at tight end. The high draft pick, it looks like he's going to be back from his concussion and most likely playing on Monday night. That's an interesting matchup as you talk about all those defenders in the middle of the field right. as opposed to those corners on the islands. How are the Packers going to to match up there? We've seen we've seen Matthew Stafford. The one that always sticks out to me, and it also happens to be, happens to be a Monday night game from two years ago in 2017. He was just lined up in shotgun at Lambeau Field and pointing his fingers, you know, here and there. I mean, he knew absolutely everything. He was in complete command of that entire game. And this is a different defense, different coordinator, different personnel. Everything about the Packers defense is so different now than it was two years ago. And that's what I'm going to be watching is how comfortable is Matthew Stafford going to look against this defense compared to what we've seen the last couple of years. Yeah, absolutely. Now, the one thing, you have a great stat, and it's incredible that it's been this long since the the Lions have had a stretch where they've won five straight games over Green Bay. Yeah, you're trying to avoid that. Part of that Trying to avoid it, exactly, Yes. Uh, going into this matchup. But the thing that stands out to me, too, is they're a Mason Crosby field goal away you know, from having one of those wins. Absolutely, in that yep. There are things that Green Bay has done that they've been still in these games. Now, Week 17 last year, I think that was somewhat anomaly. Everybody's bags were sort of packed at that point. It was what it was, and you didn't have Aaron Rodgers available. So Yeah, and the Week 17 game in 2017 was, same, was yeah. pretty ugly as well. Yeah, yeah, and that was the one in Detroit. But yeah. Getting back to just being in Green Bay, I mean, I think there's there are veterans on this team, guys that are in their sixth, seventh, eighth NFL season, that they went years without losing to Detroit <laughs> at home. You just got to right. get back to that. So right. seeing what the crowd environment is like, seeing you know if you get off to a fast start, how that changes the tempo of a football game, all those things are going to be critical factors. And you know, first and foremost, too, I think you know you look at this matchup having Aaron Rodgers healthy relatively speaking, and just being able to get the offense moving right off the bat with weapons that weren't there last season Mm -hmm. at the end of the year with like Aaron Jones. This is a more dynamic, multifaceted team than just number 12 now. They can beat you in different ways. And I think that's the X factor in this matchup for both sides is which team is able to actually utilize their full contingent, their full roster to be able to build a victory because this is a critical game in October for the NFC North and the implications for the next two months. Yeah, that's what I was going to get at. We talked about it earlier in the week that this is an opportunity for the Packers to get to 3-0 and in their division games uh, at the midway point of the division matchups. After this one, no more NFC North matchups until the final three weeks of the season when you play everybody is that crazy? for a second time. So the way the schedule sets up is, is really interesting because there'll be a big gap now between NFC North matchups. The flip side of it is this is the first division game for Detroit here yeah. in the sixth week of the season. Now it's only their fifth game because uh, they've had their bye week, but uh, their schedule very different in that respect. This is their first division contest. It's the third one for the Packers. And if we look elsewhere at what's going on around the league here in week six, the Chicago Bears are on their bye coming off of their trip to London. And the Minnesota Vikings have a big NFC matchup against the Philadelphia Eagles. Um, Obviously, lots of common opponents and everything there that we're looking at. And uh, and that will be one to, to watch closely on Sunday since uh, no one can watch the Packers on Yeah, Sunday. and it's, that's what's actually really interesting. I'm glad you mentioned the parody there, uh, you know, just with everybody kind of seeing Philadelphia here early yeah. on. 
that's sort of been the X. That, that's the difference right now in this division is yep. that you know Philadelphia was able to to you know Detroit was able to get past you know some of these teams and you have Philadelphia in there and they're the ones that were actually able to knock off the Packers. Right. So um, yeah, that that NFC East kind of you know series this year it's going to be really interesting to watch because yeah you have Washington, and the New York Giants are working through some of their issues, but Dallas and Philly are two <laughs> tough teams on everybody's schedule. The Packers got through them already, but and got through them at one and one. one and obviously, one. had a chance, great chance to be two and zero oh there. But you got through it at one and one, and uh, and now the Vikings are going to play the first of uh, their two against Philly and Dallas this weekend. I'd be remiss before we end here, Mike, to ask you, what do you make of the schedule, Cork? I mean, there's a lot of people in Insider Inbox that have talked a lot about this. Yeah. The fact that Detroit's coming off the bye, Oakland will be coming off the bye, and then. Kansas City with an extra mini buy. Yeah, coming off of a Thursday night game. Yeah, I, I, that, it's an interesting streak here. The Packers, three games in a row, are going to be facing teams that will be coming off of significant rest. Yeah. Um, and I, you know, I don't know what to, I don't know what to make of that. I guess the one thing the Packers have had, if there's been something in their favor, it's that in playing two Thursday night games, they've had a little bit of a mini buy or a mini right. rest weekend. You know, heading into two of their games and those ended up both being victories over Minnesota and Dallas coming off of uh, Thursday night contest. So, but yeah, it's, it's weird how, how this fell that the Packers are going to be facing three consecutive opponents on extra rest. I still think if you give me the choice though, I'd rather have the week 11 by or whatever it is rather than the week four by that Detroit got saddled. Oh, with. I totally agree. I, I think the schedule set up nicely for the Packers in, from the standpoint of the week one kickoff opener aside that you have your Thursday night game early in the, in season, the season and right. you get the little bit of a, a mini buy that weekend off and then your full buy is later in the year. I think that's a pretty decent setup for Green Bay. So regardless of everything going on with the opponents, uh, the, the Packers are in good shape. But certainly a big weekend for the NFC North in yeah. more ways than one. And you know, Chicago has questions to answer. Minnesota's worked through some stuff. We'll see how it all shuffles out. Yeah. Well, and you've got something to uh, to show us. I here. do. Well, we also this is again the the NFL uh, you know critical catch month. Uh, right. For all types of cancer. Yes, month of October. Topic. I know, obviously, close to all of our hearts. The Packers versus camp cancer campaign got kicked off a week ago. I don't know if Marvin's able to zoom in on that at all. But the Packers knit cap for this season. Available in the Packers Pro Shop and also Packers.com. $5 from every purchase. That's a nice little cap, isn't it, Michael? It is nice. It is a nice cap. Um, I'll get one of those for my snow shoveling, which God, it sounds like I might be doing that sooner than later. That might later. be coming like, soon enough. Goodness. But $5 of every cap going to benefit the Vince Lombardi Cancer Foundation, a cool initiative the Packers have had the last three years. Also, if you're in the Packers Pro Shop, an option to add a dollar to every purchase. Mahad did that last weekend. Uh, also, the, with the way proceeds. To go, way to go, Mahad. Way to go, Mahad. Proceeds benefiting the Vince Lombardi Cancer Foundation. It's going to be a cool event on Monday night. All right. Well, with that, we will call it a wrap on this edition of Packers Unscripted. Be sure to follow all of our coverage of the team and certainly everything going on with Monday night's game on Packers.com. Subscribe to us, like us on iTunes and other podcast services. On Twitter, he's at Wes Hot. I'm at Mike Spofford at Packers for the team account. Thanks for tuning in, everybody. We'll see you next time. <laughs>